Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Never, ever give up hope. I'm always so excited to interview guests who have been in a place of hopelessness, of devastation, of circumstances that they didn't see any way out and were able to turn their lives around because that's what this show is about. I'm also excited to share that we are now in over 140 countries, which indicates strongly that the message of hope needs and wants to be heard around the world. So I'm so pleased that for my listeners who are sharing this, who are listening in, who are asking questions, leaving reviews, and I thank you for that. I also am excited to have each and every guest because each one who offers this message has a phenomenal story. And today is no exception. There are people who possibly have fears and things that they have to overcome in their life. They might have parenting issues, divorce issues, health issues, or have a difficult time reaching the goals that they have set for themselves. And of course, many of us have a problem with financial pressure, whether it be from circumstances we can't control or not knowing what to do. And today, I'm excited to share a guest who is going to give us some tips, some tools, some answers, and he is doing what he set out to do, which many of us have tried and possibly failed, and that is accomplishing our financial goals. So I am so excited to have with me today Daniel Amaduri. Thanks for having me on the show. You bet. Daniel is a self-made millionaire. He is the founder of Future Money Trends. And he is the proud father of three children. Daniel, are those boys, girls? I have a seven-year-old boy and a three- and five-year-old daughters. Daughters. And, of course, they got daddy wrapped around their fingers. (laughs) They do. (laughs) Now, Daniel is someone who, after pursuing his dreams, did not lose hope when his world as he knew it collapsed. And I think there are many, many people who can relate to this happening. And he is here today to share his story and also to encourage us that he never gave up. He didn't give up hope and he didn't give up his dreams. And he was able, as a result, to turn those circumstances around. So thank you again, Daniel, for being here. And I am anticipating and excited about what you're going to share. Uh, looking forward to it. And I love the topic of the, of the podcast. Excellent. You obviously are a man who dreams big. 
I mean, uh, you don't you don't dream little and become a self-made millionaire. Were you always like that? It was. I, I just always knew. I always felt it. And uh, since I was a five-year-old boy, my mother has all kinds of stories about me doing different things, acts of entrepreneurship, whether it was trying to sell stuff out of our garage without her permission or going door to door and selling food from our fridge or I I just always felt it and I just always planned my life that it was going to happen it was never um there was never any doubt I just always felt that this was how it would play out Now you have to tell us you don't still sell sell things that aren't yours do you No 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 <laughs> That's good. Okay. So our, our refrigerators are safe. Yes. <laughs> so when or how did you set your goals when you were you little? Know, I, I loved always having – even as a, a 10-year-old boy, I remember having like a little money and uh, I would I would love having a blank sheet of paper and I'd allocate where it would go. 10% I'd send to the church, You know, 50% I'd save, some I'd put towards toys. And I just loved allocating the money and the capital. I was um, – even as a teenager and, and young adult, I never was fascinated with materialism in any way. Um, I just stopped playing Nintendo at about 11 years old, and money became my fascination in a, in a very healthy way, I think. It was hard to admit that for so long because it's taboo. Right. That, hey, I want to get rich or I, wa- right. I want to have money. But really, um, especially looking back, and if anybody who knows me, like it's never been about materialism. It's never been about what, mm. what kind of clothes I wear or brand or car or the house or anything. It's always just been an enjoyable act for me. And, um, you know, so even when I was a kid, I mean, I, w- I was reading like Robert Kiyosaki's books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, and the one he actually wrote before that was uh, Want to Be Rich and Happy Don't Go to School. And I read that as a, I want to say a 13, 14 year old boy. And I was fascinated with this stuff and always, always very interested in it. And I used to literally, write my goals down, uh, write my plans down. I used to always do it. I loved rehashing things and just going over my goals again. And, you know, once I was a, a, an, 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 an older teenager, let's say 17, 18, 19, um, I would, and, and I just got, went into my mid-20s, I would actually put goals and, like, tape them in my bathroom so that every time I used the restroom, place that we all go to four or five, six times a day, I'd always be forced to look at my goals, the things <laughs> I wanted. So as a young man, did you know what you wanted to do as far as reaching those goals? Like, Did you have a plan in mind or, or did this kind of develop uh, later on? I did not know exactly how I was going to do it. That's for sure. Um, I can only connect the dots going backwards. As uh, Steve Jobs said in his famous speech to Stanford University, there's no way I could have ever saw how it was going to play out. Now, when I was, I, I'll never forget this time. I was 16 years old, home ec class. I signed up for it because it, I was like two of only two males out of you know 30 people in the classroom. The other 28 were female, and um, I was 16 years old. And I remember the teacher showing us this chart, and she was showing us that if you went to college, you'd make thirty-five thousand dollars. Now, let's take this back to the '90s, right, mid '90s, <laughs> and. She said, if you don't finish college, you'll make about 25. And that was her closing argument for everybody to go to college. And I'll never forget that because I looked at that. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to college. I was like, I'm not going to go to college for 48 years and, and not make uh, you know that much more. So I was like, I got to figure this out. And that's when I really started reading. I would go to Barnes & Nobles as a 16-year-old, and I started reading books about stocks, about real estate, still kind of clueless. But I got very lucky, and uh, I was in, I was signed up in martial arts, and I ran into a mentor, somebody who was a very wealthy individual. He owned a lot of real estate, 
So that is why I actually, in the beginning, early part of my adulthood, leaned heavily towards real estate. And again, uh, a little luck involved. I started buying houses at 18 years old, which was the year 2000, and I was buying them in Southern California. So the luck in that is that I was buying houses uh, at the beginning of what was going to be the greatest bull market in real estate and ultimately the greatest bubble in real estate, which will ultimately lead to a fall because I eventually confused a little luck with, with brains um, or a bull market with brains. And uh, I, I, I would say by the time I was 22, 23, I, I, was, I was probably oozing out with a little too much confidence because, hey, all I had ever experienced – was being able to make money in real estate. And of course, all of us, uh, whether it's good or bad, uh, we make judgment calls going forward based on our most recent experiences. You know, you said something a little earlier regarding uh, your initial goals and what you wanted to do with your life as far as wanting to be successful, but not treating that success as something that it was substance over image. And I really appreciate that because I think a lot of people who possibly try and fail is because they have that backwards where it's image over substance. Can you address that? Yeah, I, I can tell you this. I made extreme sacrifices. Um, I, you know, people ask me all the time, how can I make these changes? And I tell them, I go, this is what I would do if I was in your shoes. Let me tell you, my wife and I made uh, some, some extreme things that people would not do. So for example, in Southern California, it would have been very normal for us to buy uh, making what she she was a teacher. I was making you know money in real estate. It would have been very normal for us to buy a three to four five hundred thousand dollar home, have this thirty year mortgage, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What we did was we bought a ninety five thousand dollar house in the desert of California because we wanted to pay off a house so that we could save like crazy. Mm. And we also uh, bought cars that were older that we could pay off like a like an older used nissan altima and uh i drove a 92 toyota pickup even though we were making six figures it's very very young adults i was driving around a 92 toyota pickup in the year 2004 um so we 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 sacrificed that that initial social gratification uh and we shopped at ross and we shopped at costco for clothes and my wife had the same coach bag for five straight years. <laughs> and when we wanted to try to buy another rental property, she sold a $16,000 wedding ring that I had bought her and wore a $600 fake ring. And she did this for years, even even to the point of when we were making north of a million dollars annually. And the net worth was climbing into the multi-millions, um, which was another you know marker. Um, for us, we still had the O3 Ultima. We still had the 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 low price wedding ring. We were very very focused, like a laser, on certain achieving certain things. And even when, even as millionaires, when we purchased our home three years ago, I bought a fixer upper for three hundred and forty five thousand dollars. That was less than half my annual income, and that is where we lived. Now, could we have in the normal world amongst our peers? I would have gone out and bought a you know three million dollar house, sure, five million dollar house, sure. etc. But we've always, my wife and I have always been focused on sustainability, mm. and because of the 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 downturn we faced in two thousand eight and two thousand nine, I would say one one of the that that is a, a a massive line in my life because 
Prior to 2008, my goal was to get rich. And I would say from 2009 to 2013, 2014, even though I was building wealth back up again after a great loss, I would say the pri- the top priority was to not be poor. So the goal completely changed uh, and flipped. And and we went into like I, we call it our financial moat. We went into a financial moat mode and where we were constantly – um, just looking at how can we make sure we're never poor? How can we make sure our life is sustainable in case we ever had a massive collapse, in case something ever drastic happened, in case I was struck by a car or she was struck by a car? And, you know, we, I mean, yes. you know maybe, maybe that thinking is not the right thinking. I don't know. But for the post-traumatic stress that I had come out of financially – you know, where we literally went from, you know, my wife crying in a, in a bankruptcy attorney's office to, you know, making significant amount of money and saving money again. Uh, my wife and I have always had our, our lifestyle has always lagged our income by years on. If you look at the mainstream, though, what's probably sold and conditioned to to us by corporate America because you're borrowing from the future with credit cards or financing vehicles. That is actually you're borrowing years of income to experience it now. So for my wife and I, <laughs> whether we plan this or not, by default, our income has always been ahead of us by two years. That's a lot to take in. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, like one thing that you said that really struck me, well, many things, but one thing in particular, and that is the goal was not to be poor. It's, it's a completely different way of looking at it than my goal is to be rich. Yeah, and I don't know if that's the healthy thing to say. I'm just saying that's what happened to me because of the post-traumatic stress. Yes, yes, I I get it. You were accurately called for the housing crisis and the collapse of the markets in 2008. Now, that's a time that all of us can relate to. So what happened in 2009 when your dream to become financially free was completely destroyed? So in in 2006 and 2007, knocking on doors of houses uh, that were foreclosing on that we would buy and fix up and sell, I began to have my own you know uh, moment like in that movie, uh, The Big Short, where I was realizing, yes. okay, wait a minute, I'm knocking on doors of people that are foreclosed. These aren't even the owners. These are tenants that don't know the properties in foreclosure. Right. There were so many vacancies. I knew there was something systemically wrong, and this wasn't going to be small. This was going to be big. And so in 2006 and 2007, I started screaming from the rooftops uh, for all my family to get out of the stock market and get out of housing. And of course, nobody listened and nobody wanted to hear it. Even my wife was done hearing it. So I started a YouTube channel, and that's where I made those calls. When I first started the YouTube channel, I said I, I started talking, I started doing the YouTube videos. And now, in the meantime, as I'm telling everybody to get out. I'm looking at it going, well, because I'm knocking on those doors and because I'm on the front lines and I'm feeling the pulse of the market, I will be able to get out of these before it's over. Mm. And so what I'm going to do is while I'm telling my father to sell his home and my father to cash up his 401k and and everybody that I know, I went and just basically quadrupled down on housing on, and I bought as many flips as I could mm. because I wanted to – I figured this was my you know, moment to make as much money as I could and prepare for a winter that was coming. And what had happened is uh, a, 
all the houses, I probably missed the mark by say three, four months because when I when I started listing that that wave of, of thick properties that I had purchased in 2007, uh, I would say it wasn't even a week. The, the, the biggest project I had ever taken on was in Newport Beach, California, and it was uh, we we bought a fixer upper for five hundred fifty thousand, fixed it up with one hundred and seventy thousand dollars, and then we listed it for a million. And Bear Stearns uh, went under about a week or two later. Oh my word! And and that was it. And then we chased it down, and that was the first one to end up in foreclosure and, and have a short sale. And then a string of them. Then we had some of them that were vacant, where tenants were living, in, where we're excuse me, not tenants, people had just started moving in. And uh, you know, we would just have to write those off because we didn't have the money. We were we were spread. We were spread thin everywhere. You've got money coming out for mortgage payments. You got money coming out for repairs, and then you got properties just sitting there, not selling, and not a single one of them ever sold. So we ended up having a ton of foreclosures in two thousand, the two thousand nine uh, time frame. And here I was, the guy who had predicted the whole thing, where Google <laughs> was. Uh, impressed enough with the views and the traction the channel was getting that they made me one of the very first people that were YouTube partners and started paying me. I was a spokesman for the National Inflation Association, and I had lost a ton of money. I, I had totally got the economy and the prediction right, and I didn't make a penny. It was worse. I, dest- I lost a ton of money uh, to the point that where um, when it was all said and done, when you've got you know creditors calling and and uh, and and foreclosures, and you've got all these these problems, I went to a bankruptcy attorney. We never ended up filing bankruptcy, but I remember. And the reason we didn't file bankruptcy was it was my I, my wife was crying because the bankruptcy attorney said if you if you do this, you're going to have to get rid of this duplex that you purchased, and it was in Tennessee. And it's funny, we actually we paid cash for this duplex, and we had always said, "Well, this will be our worst case scenario if we ever have to. We'll just move to this duplex." And you know, <laughs> and and I think it, I don't know what it was about that situation. I don't think I've ever even talked to my wife about it since that day. But it was something about where not only did we lose everything, we even lost the emergency escape plan, and my wife was breaking down. So um, we walked out of there and decided not to file bankruptcy. And it said we called the the type of companies, you know, that help you like, hey, let's consolidate the credit cards that you had used to fix up properties. Let's talk to the banks. Let's settle out. Let's short sale. And we had just worked on restructuring all this debt. And from that moment on, we went completely debt free to this day. Um, with the exception of some rental properties, um, we have lived our life without having any credit. Um, we've we've purchased, gosh, uh, 15 units without any credit. I've never gone to a bank for a loan. I've purchased LLCs that have loans in place. Uh, I've purchased uh, owner will carries. We forced ourselves to just not do anything with credit. Uh, owned our cars outright, owned our home outright, and we just we just force ourselves. And of course, that that's what causes you to uh, buy the ninety five thousand dollar home that's sustainable rather than the one that's not. So we just we just focused on that lifestyle. And uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people thought we were very poor. You know, as we were kind of climbing and building back up. Uh, but we just were very disciplined about our, our our lifestyle and what we spent money on. And then, of course, to throw in the mix, our firstborn was in 2009. 
So uh, in the in the in the mix of all this, where we also begin to have a family at the very very bottom, at the at the valley of darkness in our. How did you deal with it emotionally? Did you beat yourself up, or did you just look to the future? I beat myself up for years. I honestly, and man, I tell you. <laughs> I've done a lot of interviews, and I'm almost getting a little emotional on this one. Uh, <laughs> That's good. I, I felt defeated. Um, as I told you, my whole life I felt like I was going to be wealthy. I was going to be successful. And there was a time from 2009 to, I would say, 20, the end of 2010, and I felt, I felt like this, that that was gone, that, I, that wasn't even an option anymore, that now my new, my new goal – was to just make it. And um, for, for about two years, I felt defeated. I felt that I was washed up, that there was no coming back for me. And I bet your wife was your number one supporter. She sure was. And um, it was her that actually, she is the true founder of the Future Money Trends letter, which is really what opened our whole lives up to uh, all the great experiences and the people we know now. Because uh, she would see me on YouTube and she would say, you have to start a business from this. You have to do this. You can help people. You can share your ideas. Cause I was always fascinated with all the personal finance stuff, but yeah, in, in my worst of times, she stood by me. Uh, she worked a full-time job after real estate blew up. I ended up, uh, you know, working in a grocery store at nights. Um, you know, she certainly was, uh, being very good about everything and, um, you know, very supportive and always believed in me. But for sure, without a doubt, there was, there were, there was a long time where I felt that, uh, whatever I, whatever destiny I thought I had was, was no more. You know, this is totally a side issue, but I want to just say this at this point. What I am sensing from you, Daniel, is that you are a man of humility and that is extremely appreciated by me personally, but I know by many people who listen to you talk because that is not something that is normal when you talk to somebody who has accomplished what you have accomplished and is in the business of future money trends and everything that, that you have done and lost and, and won again. I am, I applaud you. Because that's what comes across. And I assume that when you speak to groups, I don't know what your, you know, what your trends are that you, you know, the arenas that you speak mm-hmm. in. But I assume that that's what comes across. And that is probably one thing that has really helped you to become successful. Am I out in left field or do you feel that that's part and parcel to who you are? I think it's it it is who I am, and you know it's 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 an ugly, brutal honesty. But I think it does connect well with people because, you know, the biggest thing I want to stress to everyone, and that's specifically with the Future Money Trends letter, is that they can do it. I tried to do it in ten, and we ended up doing it in five years, and I made it worse. I didn't even like a lot of people listening to the show. They're starting from you know they've got savings, they've probably got you know a, a great spouse, a great job. Many of them, many, you know, I started from a, a, a very negative low point. So the thing is, is if you just focus, you can do it. And this, of course, extends to anything in life, uh, whether yes. it's whether it's your yes. children and, and your parenting style. You can always make that decision that you're going to to do a 180 degree. And, and right now I'm actually trying to apply that in my own life with weight loss. So um, I noticed with income 
weight also goes up together. Interesting. So, <laughs> I, okay, so now let's let's talk about future money trends. Tell us about it. Whatever you want to share, how people can get involved. Well, futuremoneytrends.com is basically the personal finance for the new economy. One thing that I loved, I I love listening to the personal finance gurus like Dave, like Dave Ramsey, but I also like listening to some of the top investors in the world like Ray Dalio or, or, or Rick Rule of, of Sprout Asset Management. And I would always be fascinated, that, but they were never, they were never uh, uh, fully mixed. And I, I kind of just wanted to create a letter that addressed personal finance concerns but also focused on some individual investments you can make both in and out of Wall Street. Ideally, we try to focus outside of uh, ideas of Wall Street, um, n- ideas that are not tied to Wall Street. And we focus on income because bottom line, I'll tell you, when I went through everything in my life, I can tell you um, net worth and capital appreciation are great when times are good. But what's great in good times and bad times is income. So we have a, a high focus with the Future Money Trends letter on how to make more income, whether that's multiple streams of income through side gigs, side jobs, passive income, real estate. It doesn't matter. Uh, so we're the, the we're a, we consider ourselves the personal finance letter for the new economy because we do not believe that the future, the next twenty years, will look anything like the last twenty years when it comes to your mutual funds, your portfolio. We're heading into the freelance economy, and it's already here, and it's globalized. And you know, between the tech jobs and uh, the, the just the the the, the massive run the stocks have had here since the uh, early eighties. Uh, we just we just really want people to focus uh, uh, on the, the person that's in the mirror. That is where your financial independence is going to come from, and and those decisions you make. And so our our, our letter is is a compliment to many other of the personal finance letters you you read, but uh, with a little more emphasis on income and you relying on yourself. Wow. That is a statement. I really appreciate that. Your personal financial independence comes from you. Absolutely. And, you know, if anybody's listening to this and they go to futuremoneytrust.com, you can subscribe free. You'll receive our weekly Wealth Digest every Wednesday. It comes out and it's different ideas, uh, whether it's savings, whether it's income, whether it's just going over wealth building ideas or the mindset of wealth, things the rich do. Uh, Because one thing I did learn, uh, once I met a certain threshold, there are things that the rich have access to that certainly could be accessible to anybody. But for whatever reason, you really don't hear about this stuff until you have a certain net worth, whether that's from your banker calling you or a stockbroker. And so we discuss all of that. Um, Everything's out there. I don't hold anything back. The letter is our main focus, but I have spoken at several uh, conferences, investment in in Canada and the United States. And we do um, a lot of different videos, educational videos on our YouTube channel, which also get posted on the uh, the website, of okay. course, the Future Money okay. Trends. So, okay. but that's the main thing we use to 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 spread the message. As far as consulting, I respond to all the emails from subscribers, and if somebody's having some sort of difficulty, at least three or four times a week, I will schedule a phone call. I love talking to people. In fact, one of the people I spoke to in 2010, 2011, when I started the letter. It was an Israeli, and today that Israeli is one of my business partners. So I've developed some great relationships. <laughs> That's awesome. You are definitely a people person. Now, I'm sure that everyone listening would like to be financially secure. Anything else that you can give them as far besides the letter to as a call to action possibly, what they can do to change 
possibly a negative trend into their life to a positive one? A, a negative trend in your life to a positive one is I would say that um, – you know, whether it, it, it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, the, the KFC guy, uh, you know, he did not he I believe he was sleeping in his car when he was in his 60s. Yes. And so there, there, there are all these inspirational stories. But one thing that I did that I would encourage everybody to do is I surrounded myself with, you know, I would I would YouTube Tony Robbins and Les Brown and I would listen to them for hours, uh, whether it's in the shower or on the road or uh, going for a walk, I would always listen to these th- these different people. And another thing I did was when I wanted to be a great publisher, I mimicked the people I wanted to be like the best the, the publishers that I looked up to. And I'm and I'm sure you can apply that in all aspects of your life. That there's always somebody out there who who is you're looking at and saying, you know that that person I really like how they deliver in their business, or I, lo- I really like how they deliver in their job. Or whatever their 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 parenting's are parenting skills are, it's there's nothing wrong with mimicking people in order to improve your life. Um, and I'm not talking about copying them. I'm I'm talking about those type of traits that they have, those the yes. type of quality that they have. And uh, you know, when it comes to money, I can tell you one thing for sure is that you absolutely control your finances. And the, the, it's I know it's so so hard. Because the peer pressure is a tsunami. You're, you're, I mean, it's it's not normal peer pressure. It's the 99% versus you, and you don't have to finance a car. Um, you know, if you if you if you make fifty to sixty seventy thousand dollars a year, you know, you, and you, and you own a car that's forty five thousand dollars, that is, that is not a sustainable lifestyle. And I, I would say just making sustainable decisions in your life. Well, and, and you give yourself more free time. I mean, and you think about where you can spend the money. When my wife and I were living in that $95,000 house in Southern California and everybody thought we were poor, we were, we were going on, I think we did 100 days of vacation one year. Um, <laughs> we, were, we were living the life. We, yeah, we lived in the desert, but we, we, were, we, we were traveling. We were having a great time. Priorities. So informative, so challenging and encouraging. Personally, I thank you so much daniel for what you shared i want every single listener to please go to futuremoneytrends.com get connected with daniel get connected with this letter and today could be the first day of the rest of your life just from some just from listening to a simple podcast and so i thank you daniel for what you shared is there anything else you'd like to add no just that if any of your listeners uh reach out to me I'm open to talking about anything. If you have a financial scenario, I'm happy to help. I'm not an advisor, uh, but at the same point in time, I, uh, I've, I've read it and seen most of it. So uh, I'd be happy to give you my two cents. <laughs> and that's very gracious of you. I thank you. And again, thank you so much, Daniel, and goodbye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.